Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Timothy P. Brown from FootballArchaeology.com, one of the top rules experts on early football history, joins us today to talk about an experimental game in 1905 that helped set the new rules in motion after the President of the United States got involved to help tame the game of football. Tim's got the scoop on this and the Football Archaeology coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the pig pen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to Tuesday Football Archaeology Day as we go to footballarchaeology.com's author, Timothy P. Brown. And uh, Tim, welcome back to the pig pen. Hey, Darren. Thank you. Good to see you again. Looking forward to chatting. You have one of your most recent uh, tidbits that you've dug up some real good football archaeology on this. And uh, you know, just a great story from 1905 that uh, I'd love to have you tell the audience about. Yeah. So, I mean, I think probably anybody that's listening knows that there were a lot of, uh, a lot of concern, you know, leading up to, and then in the 1905 season about injuries and, and deaths on the playing field. And, um, so, you know, there was just a lot of pressure to make some changes to the game. We had the whole Teddy Roosevelt thing. And then, you know, in the end, the the, the guy who was the president or chancellor of uh, NYU, he formed, he got group people together to start really looking at, at this issue. And, you know, so there were, the newspapers had all kinds of suggestions about possible rule changes. And, you know, there were people throwing out all kinds of different ideas. Um, and so they kind of started talking about, you know, is there a way that we could experiment and have a test game? And, you know, there have been other times where that occurred. Stag did some things. You know, this is like maybe another five years down the road. And uh, Hugo Bezdek, you know, did some testing. So there's a couple different instances of stuff like that. But so this one was you know, while they were kind of looking for a game to be played, you know, basically the teams had disbanded for the year. Um, But for for some reason, the folks at Fairmont, which is now Wichita State, you know, in in Wichita, they had been looking, you know, to maybe play a Christmas game just to kind of keep folks entertained and have some fun. And it turned out then that they agreed to play a test game against Washburn. And which is a, a, you know, a state you know school in, in Kansas. And so, you know, they were. Um, and basically what they agreed to do was to try out some of the rules 
that were being proposed. And, you know, I don't know exactly how much interaction the, these guys had with folks back east, but the coaches of the two teams, Fairmount was um, coached by a guy named Willis Bates, and Washburn was coached by John Outland. So Bates had played at Dartmouth, and Outland had played at Penn, and, you know, he's the Outland trophy guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so they were both, you know, they both had, you know, East Coast cred, and the fact that they – would play a game would be something that would be kind of, you know, trusted, you know, for want of a better term. So, and just one other odd thing about that year was that Fairmont earlier in the year had played, um, played a game at night and it was played under, I think Coleman lanterns is a local manufacturer somewhere in Wichita area. And, uh, so they lit, they had Coleman, you know, gas lanterns <laughs> hanging all around the field and over the field. Um, maybe not, maybe not over the field. I think they had, some, anyway. <laughs> but um, it turned out to be kind of a mess because it just didn't put off enough light. Um, but anyway, it's just one of those early, early little factoids. <laughs> yeah. I never heard that before. That is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there were others that did electrical you know, lighting before that, but they were, they're the only ones I've ever heard of that tried to do, you know, gas lanterns. But, uh, well, we have, we have the, uh, the Zippo factories not too far from here. I wonder if they tried that a bunch of Zippos lit well, up at the same time. In, uh, yeah, or just have all the in Bradford, have all the kids <laughs> turn on their cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyways, they agreed to play a game on Christmas day. And, um, and so they said, okay, we're going to allow the forward pass. We're going to, um, require offenses to gain 10 yards rather than five in three downs. And then they also gave officials the authority to, um, to, you know, throw somebody out of game if they, you know, for any kind of unnecessary roughness, which was, they didn't have that necessarily, uh, at the time. So, you know, as it turned out, turned into kind of a the game was kind of a turd frankly (laughs) it was like it ended up in a zero zero tie each of the teams threw some forward passes and completed you know two or three but we don't really know i mean all we really can operate off of is newspaper articles um so we don't really know how they threw the ball Right. And uh, we just know they didn't do it very effectively. Um, but the whole thing comes comes down to that they just couldn't imagine and think through how to change the game of football, how to approach it differently, given a new set of rules. Right. And so it's just that that idea that for us, we know the old spiral is the way to throw a football, but they didn't, you know, they tried all kinds of, you know, basketball, two-handed set shots. They, they, they did shovel passes. They did, you know, you name it, you know, they tried different, they, they threw the football like a grenade, you know, with a straight arm, you know, um, and just, if you think about like the, how do you tell somebody to go out on a pass route when they've never seen a pass route before? Right. I mean, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, so these are the first guys trying to figure this stuff out. And they didn't do a very good job of it. You know, and you can't really blame them. Um, a lot of people struggled with it for about 10 years. 
um, you know, once the pass was legalized, yeah, there were some that got it, got after it right away, but most of them did, most people didn't. So, you know, and, and it turns out that, so one of their big conclusions was that, you know, because they really didn't adapt their offenses at all, they went from playing a game where they had three downs to get five yards. Now all of a sudden they have three downs to get 10 yards. They didn't change their offense really. So guess what? They didn't, they didn't get many first downs. Right. Hmm. And so they viewed that as like a silly rule. Oh, it's never, never going to work. Well, it didn't work because they didn't reimagine the game. Um, and, and then, you know, find the, find the tactics, find the techniques, you know, to, to do things differently. So, Anyways, I, I think it's really just the the neatest part of the game in total is number one that it failed, right? And that it it but it shows the difficulty of reimagining how to play this game under a new set of rules and why it took a while for that to occur. Um but you know, they they did their best, they were willing to try it, and you know, so you know, good for them. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I always found it kind of interesting, you know, hearing that story and, you know, the reason why they did it is to try to report back East to give them some information on, you know, it's an experimental game on some of these rules, but you never really see a whole lot except for maybe years later, there was, I think one gentleman that was involved or was a spectator or something that had some information about it. We don't know how accurate it was or anything, but there's nothing going back to, uh, you know, to, to camp or to, you know, John C. Bell or any of those guys back East that tells what, what happened in this game, you know, what, what, what they tried. And I'm always surprised and maybe someday somebody will open up some, uh, notebook and, uh, you know, in their great grandparents house or something and yeah, we'll have yeah. some information, but, uh, I always found that kind of fascinating. Well, you know, you have to believe that there were at least personal letters exchanged. So, like, because, you know, both of these coaches were, you know, they were Eastern guys, you know, and they they maintained their their connections. So there had to be something back and forth. But, yeah, I mean, I as far as I know, I mean, there's no report to a committee. And, you know, maybe it was because things were – there was so much turmoil at the time. You know, we'd had multiple rules committees in the late 1800s, and now, you know, we're going between the IFA and, you know, whatever. And this whole thing that uh, NYU is getting going that eventually becomes the NCAA. But, um, yeah, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, but, yeah. It's not like they they picked up the telephone and called somebody very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, exactly. You know, and so it's it had to be uh, you know just the fact that they were even in touch somehow you know, somehow they they got all this material. Now the newspapers, you know, that was you know the wire services and that that would have been the one of the main ways for them to even learn what the anticipate mm-hmm. you know, potential rule changes are. Um. But, you know, like this game got reported on, you know, if you look it up, I mean, you name it, any newspaper in the country, they they did at least some kind of report on this this test game. So, you know, it was, people were paying attention to it, but, you know, then it was forgotten pretty quickly. Right. Huh. So it might be the one of the original uh, bowl games. Well, of course, the Rose Bowl came out in 1902, so I guess it wasn't the original yeah. uh, holiday bowl game, but uh, it was played right on Christmas Day even, yes. right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And so one of the things that, you know, part of the reason I kind of, I did this uh, particular tidbit was because I had come across 
you know, a real photo postcard of the 1906 Fairmont team, uh, you know, online. And I, you know, I ended up, you know, buying things because most people looked at it and said, oh, I don't know who this is, but I knew who they were, <laughs> you know, you know, so I basically was able to pick it up for a song, but, um, you know, and so I, I my, my best guess is, you know, that the vast majority of the 1906 guys were on the 1905 team too. So probably a number of the guys who played in the game were in, are in that picture. Uh, but, you know. Interesting. So I, I have a piece of history in my possession. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a cool piece of history. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you sharing it with us each and every day uh, on your tidbits. And you know, speaking of that, why don't you, uh, tell the listeners how they could, too, can uh, enjoy some of these great photographs and, uh, you know, your website and where they can, uh, you know, get a hold of the tidbits each and every day. Yeah. So, um, the site is, it's a Substack site. Um, uh, but you know, I've got a, you know, personalized, url so it's just footballarchaeology.com and you can uh, sign up there um and if if you sign if, or if you subscribe you'll get a you'll get an email every night at you know seven o'clock eastern uh delivered into your inbox and then you can read it then at your leisure um yeah and so you know the only other thing i would just say is you know if you're um if you bookmark the site and you're trying to figure out something on football history you know there's got got one of those little search magnifying glass things in there. So put in a term, see if something pops, pops up for you. And there's probably a story or two in there. <laughs> yeah. So great stuff. All right. Well, appreciate you, Tim. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Darren, thank you very much. Look forward to it. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast as well as Jersey Dispatch on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, 
the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network. <laughs>